0: Come to your little town, sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim.
1: Hello, my name is Austin Taurus, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm joined by bookseller and podcaster, host of the Laydown podcast. Please welcome Ryan Elizabeth Clark.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Of course. Welcome. Welcome. Today, we're taking a break from cinema and exploring the world of horror literature.
2: I'm so excited. <laughs>
1: I'm excited, too, because it's, uh, I don't read a lot of, I don't want to say I don't read because that's not true, but I don't read nearly as many books as I watch movies, and I should because horror, like horror literature, as the kids would say, horror is lit. (laughs) Incredible. I I came up with that myself.
2: (laughs) 10 out of 10, no notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But before we uh, get into that, as I mentioned earlier, you're the host of the Laydown Podcast. Let's tell the people about the Laydown Podcast.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I work at an independent bookstore called Gibson's Bookstore. We're in Concord, New Hampshire. And five years ago, a couple of my coworkers and I decided we should have a bookstore podcast. And so we just kind of did it. Um, And it started as just... Myself and a couple of other booksellers kind of just talking about like what we've been reading recently, what we're looking forward to. And now it has, I have changed co hosts like two or three times as just kind of people move on from the bookstore, new people come in. And but it's been me the whole time. And now I, in addition to talking with my co workers about cool new books that we've been reading, I also interview a ton of authors, which is really fun and very surreal. Yeah, so it's called The Laydown. Uh, We put out an episode once a month with uh, supplemental author interviews kind of sprinkled in throughout. And actually the first author interview of the year of 2023 is Grady Hendrix. And I'm very excited.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) That is so cool because I'll admit my knowledge of authors is not very big. I could tell you a bunch of directors, authors. It's like there's Stephen King and Michael Crichton. <laughs> but I know but I know Grady Hendrix.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: I'm like, "Oh, that is yep. <laughs> that is cool because correct me if I'm wrong, he did The Final Girl Support Group. Yes. Club.
2: Yes, Final Girl Support Group, which was fantastic. Support um, Group, got it. <laughs> and it, it, the the fun thing about that one is the audiobook for that was read by the woman who played the first final girl in the first friday the 13th movie.
1: Oh, that is so cool. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that he like modeled so cool. one of the characters in the book after her, which was very cool.
1: Yeah. That's been on my to read for a long time. I haven't gotten to it yet. I picked up the book, like I bought I have a <laughs> Copy of it. some. Yeah, I'm not trying to grab it right now, but I have a copy <laughs> behind me somewhere. I-, I did the first. I did the hard part. I spent the money. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I supported. Um, But that's that's one I really I really want to like read. Yeah, it's great. Because I want to I want to, you know, read more. I- mm-hmm. I'm trying.
2: <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs>
1: so when did you start Uh, start getting yourself into the horror genre?
2: So this is so funny. I feel like set, I have such imposter syndrome when it comes to the horror community because I still feel like I'm very new to horror, but I can give you kind of my little journey. So I've always been spooky, like ever since I was a teeny, <laughs> teeny, teeny little kid. Um, You know, Halloween's always been my favorite holiday. I was watching horror movies way too young, like all of us. So I've always been like into it, but I didn't really read any horror novels as a kid or a teenager or anything like that. Not really sure why. Just kind of didn't didn't gravitate towards them, I guess. And then I started working at Gibson's bookstore 10 years ago. And at that point, I was fresh out of college. And um, the young adult genre was kind of this new thing and so I was, I was like the youngest bookseller. So I was reading all of the young adult books, and I was, I became sort of the unofficial YA specialist for the bookstore for many years. If a customer came in looking for a specific YA book, they would be sent to me. So I was reading primarily that for probably four or five years, and then I would sprinkle in like thrillers and things like that because I do have, like a little darkness, right? So I would like read like The Gone Girl or something. And I had this coworker who he would every once in a while recommend something for me, and be like, "I think you would like this. Like, I think you should read this one." And he was always right <laughs> because, you know, always if a bookseller tells you to read something, you should probably read it because they they know what they're talking about. And so, um, he was always right. And one time he came in and he was like, "I just read this advanced reader copy." of this new horror novel it's it's you've got to read it mostly because i need to talk to someone about it like you you (laughs) have to read this and he handed me bird box by josh mallerman and i was like okay so i went home and read it in basically one sitting and i came back in and i was like you're absolutely right that was incredible and terrifying and amazing and it kind of was the launch pad it like really opened my eyes to like oh Right. I could be reading horror all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, over the next few years, I would I would just read more and more horror. When we started the Laydown podcast, it when I started getting interviews and a lot of the interviews were horror authors. And so I was reading more because I try to read their book ahead of the interview. And so I was reading a lot of horror that way. And then 2020 happened. (laughs) And in 2020, I read almost exclusively two genres. I was either reading romance novels because I needed a guaranteed happily ever after, like (laughs) no risks. I knew how it was going to end or I was reading horror because I wanted to read something that was scarier than what I was actually experiencing in my real life. And so 2020, I think, is around the time my coworkers started calling me Gibson's Queen of Scream (laughs) because (laughs) all of my staff picks were horror (laughs) that year. And so then... So I had like a ton of, you know, I did like a big Halloween display that year and I started having people reaching out to me directly for horror recommendations. And at this point in time, the bookstore did not have a designated horror section. They were just sort of in fiction. Some of them were in sci-fi fantasy, right? Some of them were in like mystery. They were just kind of all over the place. They didn't have their own section. And in January 2021, I took over a display case that had had uh, Christmas cards and stuff on it during the holiday season. We had just emptied it out. And I was like, I'm claiming that I want to make a horror display. And so I made this like big display, like five shelves of uh, Ryan's horror picks, <laughs> and, and I was going to leave it up for like maybe a couple of weeks. Like this was not going to be a permanent thing. It was just going to be like, I just wanted them all in one place. And it just kept selling and it just kept selling and it just kept selling. And like every shift I was replacing like two, three, four books because there were just holes in the display that people had purchased the books. I would, I would, you know, walk by and there'd be people just standing there reading the backs of the books and I'd be like, hey, (laughs) how's it going? So then I was like, okay, I started talking to my managers about um, making horror a, a section in the bookstore, giving giving horror its own section. And I was like, I want to start just with like using this display case, but turning it into like a temporary horror section um, while we figure out where in the bookstore we could actually put these books and how what that would look like and how we would organize them and all that stuff. So by this point, April we start doing this 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 quick it's going to be up for two weeks horror display has now been up for 4 months right mm-hmm. <laughs> and so april 2021 i go through and i grab just everything that i'm like this is horror this is horror this is horror and i slap it on this display so now we've got like a big filled in it's like packed with horror and that keeps selling and keeps selling and keeps selling so now it's like okay so now i've proven that if we have a horror section it will do well and we did some like planning and figuring things out and the next month in may we were able to create a permanent horror section it got its own official you know section in our inventory system and it got a a whole new home between sci-fi fantasy and mystery we had we had pretty little (laughs) shelves i was so happy um and uh, and then so that was May 2021, and then now fast forward, we have now shifted the store again, just like last <laughs> week. Or I guess all of that was maybe May 2022. Maybe that all happened. In, it all happened last year. Maybe we just moved. <laughs> time is meaningless. We just yeah, what moved is time? two other sections that had been in. We had this like big run of shelves that was all genre. So sci-fi, fantasy, romance, mystery, horror. Took out poetry and literary essays and criticism because those aren't genre. They had just always lived on that shelf. Moved them and then got to stretch and expand all of the genre sections. And so now our my little horror section went from like four and a half shelves to 10.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
2: It is now in a very high visibility area very high foot traffic even just today like i was sitting here at my little desk and it was you know right behind me and i'd be like working and i would just see people like stopping behind me like oh there's a horror section oh (laughs) (laughs) just utterly delightful so that's been kind of like my my bookstore journey you know and and on the sort of like social media side like through podcasting and things like that I've befriended some of my favorite horror authors um to the point where Josh Mallerman who wrote Bird Box actually flew out to New Hampshire last October to do one single event at Gibson's <laughs> bookstore
0: <laughs> that's awesome um,
2: and there also was a a sort of halloween book festival that was going on and so he was like all right i'll come out and i'll i'll do that which is really like the authors go and they hang out and like sell their books and just kind of chat some of them are on panels um Mm -hmm. but he so daphne which is his most recent book he didn't do a book tour for Daphne but he did an event at Gibson's <laughs> um, uh, which was very cool That's And
1: awesome.
2: yeah so it's it's been this very like strange I went from not reading horror at all to being like very very firmly immersed in the horror <laughs> community <laughs> like I went to that uh Halloween book festival the Merrimack Valley Halloween book festival and I walked in the room and like multiple horror authors like called my name to say hi and I was like me (laughs) what's happening right now a lot of imposter syndrome here on my end but apparently (laughs) I'm doing something right (laughs)
1: well I mean hearing your story you you're putting in the work you know like (laughs) but (laughs) it's always hard to like hear it from someone else where it's like We all see our own flaws, right? So, (laughs) yeah, because like someone could compliment me, and I'm like, really, really? (laughs) So, I get it, but no, that is awesome.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, and I'll tell you, I mean, like, you can probably attest to this from your podcast, but like, there's no one nicer than the horror community. It's just the nicest group of humans, like, on all sides of it. It's, I love, I love the horror community so much.
1: I'm so glad I decided to do a horror podcast as opposed to a Star Wars podcast. (laughs) Um, Star Wars fans can be nuts.
2: It's true. They have strong
0: opinions.
1: (laughs) And I can... all All I need to do to alienate half of my listenership right now is be like, Star Wars The Last Jedi. I just heard a bunch of people <laughs> turn this off. I felt it in the force. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel perfectly fine throwing shade at Star Wars fans because I am a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like we're as far as like fandoms I enjoy, Star Wars fans, we could be a little nicer to each other. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, like we all love the same thing. Why are we still arguing about a five-year-old movie?
2: I Come know. on, man. <laughs> yeah, heated conversations within that fandom.
1: And like, I I think there's toxicity in every fandom because there's mm-hmm. just toxicity in fandom.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: But as far as the horror community goes, I feel like the most supported too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I've been very thankful that i haven't really had to deal with any assholes yet yep and as long as i'm not an asshole if i have to deal with an asshole i know there's a bunch of people who have my back so
2: absolutely yeah for sure yeah no i I haven't had to deal with any assholes in the horror community everyone's been like just so kind and gracious and like every horror author I've ever interviewed has just been like I feel like they all have their own imposter syndrome where like they're always just like thank you so much for having me on the podcast and like this is amazing and like thank you for everything that you do and I'm like your book's real good dude <laughs> <laughs> like you make it real easy to sell your book when it's this good <laughs> but yeah every every single one that I've met has just been and utter delight. So it's a it's a really good community. I'm happy to be a part of it.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So the title of this episode is Horror Lit 101. Yes. <laughs> and you're about to take us on a little journey.
2: I am. I am. So I'm going to kind of do for you what I do for my customers when they come in and they're like, I don't really read a lot of horror. But I but I think I want to. Great. That's where I come in. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, I'm not I'm not big on reading classics. Um, I'm very much a contemporary reader. So while I see great value in things like Dracula and Frankenstein and and these classics, right? It's not what I typically read. So I'm going to definitely be focusing more on contemporary. And I'm also going to say that while I have great love for Mr. Stephen King, we love him dearly. He's great. I almost never recommend him because he doesn't need my help. (laughs) 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 People are going to read him if they want to read him. And he can be, his books can be very daunting for people because not just they're so big, but also there's so many of them and where do you start and et cetera, et cetera. So really i focus on authors who are writing right now and because i work in an indie bookstore i don't get to carry a lot of independent authors i can carry some you know we have a couple of local authors here who i i do get to carry a few of their books but in general Just as a caveat, everything that I'm going to be talking about today is traditionally published. They're easy to get at any bookstore. But I will say, like, if you are listening, if you are into if you want to read more horror, go into whatever your local bookstore is and see what they have for horror and see if they have any local horror authors that are that maybe you can get at your local bookstore, but not, you know, the Barnes & Noble down the street. Who knows? So that is kind of the caveat I'm going to say. There's a lot of amazing horror authors who are independently published, and I love them all dearly, and their books are fantastic, and I wish I could carry all of them in my store, and I'm working on it, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's not who we're talking about today, and I apologize.
1: Go get their shot. And, no,
2: yeah. it's,
1: and, it's, and like you said earlier, you can only do so much. Yeah. So- And also, I just want to say something about Mr. Stephen King, because you brought up a good point. He doesn't need any help. No. Like, we we all saw it. Yep. We all saw the signing. Yep,
2: yep. Um, He doesn't need my help.
1: Yeah. he. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's one of, if not the most prolific modern writer.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the dude In terms of sale
1: and, like yeah
2: insane he writes like at least a book a year it's like him and john john grisham like i don't even (laughs) (laughs) they just crank them out and yeah no and and like again i love him he's great i don't read a lot of his books i've read a few and i'm like these are fun this is great i'm going to focus on these other authors Uh, and that's just that's just me i have a coworker who reads all everything that he's written she reads it all (laughs) So I'm like, great, you can sell the Stephen King books. (laughs) If someone has a question about Stephen King, I will send them to you.
1: (laughs) Well, that could be his own episode. Like Stephen King has a resume that can just, or a bibliography that can constitute an entire two and a half hour episode. So
2: (laughs) yeah, yeah. And he doesn't even just write horror. Like he also writes fantasy and he has like short stories that are very like have maybe horror elements but are very like nostalgic and like you know I mean it's he's he's great he's so prolific yeah. but yeah he takes up a lot of my shelf space
1: <laughs> <laughs> we just gotta respect the king for a second I don't Absolutely. want to alienate the Stephen King uh, no, fan no base no shade to
2: king we love him I'm just exactly. not going to recommend any of his books today because he doesn't
1: need my help <laughs> And, as far as the classics go, like you already know Frankenstein, you already know Dracula and War right. of the Worlds. We're good. I feel bad for alienating the turn of the the turn of the screw. Um, <laughs> fan base. It is what it is,
2: <laughs> yeah. Again, they will be in your bookstore. If you want to give them a shot, if you've never read, Dracula, and you want to give it a try? Go for it. It'll it'll be on the shelf. (laughs) It'll be there. Bram Stoker again doesn't need my help.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he will continue to sell. So yeah,
2: he's doing just fine.
1: So what's Um, the first one? So
2: yeah. So instead, when someone comes up to me and they're like, "Hey, you're the horror person. I don't really really read much horror, but I want to try. What do you got for me? I pretty much always start them off with Goblin by Josh Mallerman. This is a novel in six novellas. So it's six short stories that all happen in the same weird, creepy town of Goblin. They all focus on a different person in the town and their obsession, whatever it is. The stories interweave In cool ways, like you'll see, you'll read a story about one character and then three stories later, someone like that character will walk by. The stories are all happening simultaneously on this one really rainy night in Goblin. It is... Not super scary. So it's really good for people who are just starting out and like aren't sure what their threshold for scary is. And it's also good for me because I have no threshold. And so I'm kind (laughs) of a bad judge of how scary a book is because I'm like, oh, it's fine. (laughs) Um, uh, But this really is more... um, creepy and unsettling than like terror um there's a little bit of body horror there's a little bit of psychological horror like it's got kind of everything and it's a really great place to start and people also like you know they recognize oh that's the bird box guy and they're like i haven't read bird box i'm like start with this <laughs> start with goblin <laughs> um, and and go from there. And then it's like, if you like Goblin, I have so many others for you because <laughs> Josh Malerman is, again, super prolific, has a ton of books um, and across kind of across the whole genre. So, you know, he writes slashers and he writes like very kind of cozy horror sometimes. And yeah, he's all over the place. So Goblin is usually where I start people. Um, That's
1: awesome.
2: Yeah, it's a great book. I love that book. Another one, if I have someone come in and they're like, I have read Stephen King and I love Stephen King, but I don't know what to do next, Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendig. I love Chuck Wendig so much he is a phenomenal writer he also recently um he wrote Wanderers and then the sequel Wayward um which uh wonders came out in 2020 and is about a global pandemic Oops. that was started by like bats in China <laughs> oh no like, bro really uh predicted the pandemic it was real weird
1: <laughs> oh geez
2: yeah. Um, but, uh, it's fantastic. Um, the book of accidents though, um, I, I will lovingly, and I do say this with so much love and respect for Stephen King. I will lovingly say that book of accidents is like if Stephen King could write a good ending. Oh no. (laughs) And I mean that so dearly, like Stephen King himself knows that like his endings just go haywire and that's fine. We love that about him. The book of accidents is there's this like. There's so much happening, right? There's all these different storylines. One of the storylines is that there's a serial killer who is blipping into different universes and different, like, timelines. And he's, like, trying to find the one that got away. His first attempted kill, he didn't. She got away. And he's trying to find the exact right version of her so that he can finish the job. And then there's also, like, a young teen who has a new friend who's, like, a little bit too much older than him. Like, it's a little weird that they're Mm. hanging out, that they're friends. And, like, the kid's parents are like, I'm glad he has a friend. I don't super love this guy, though. (laughs) Um, And those are just a couple of the storylines. There's, like, a lot going on. And it ties together at the end in the most impressive way I think I've ever read. Like he pulls in things that I'm like, that was one line like 200 pages ago. And I completely forgot about it. And now it's a crucial thing. And like, how did you do that? How did you make all of this connect? It's incredible. It's a one-off. You know, it's not a series. It's really good. It's really scary. He's a phenomenal writer. So that is the one that I recommend for everyone who loves Stephen King. I'm like, do this one next.
0: <laughs> like, That's awesome. This is
2: how you branch out from Stephen King. You you go to Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendig. And then from there, you do Wanderers because incredible, like, pandemic book. And the the way the pandemic manifests is all of a sudden a whole swath of the population just gets up and almost like zombies like they're sleepwalking they just start walking and it becomes very clear very quickly that they're all of these people are walking towards something they're all going in the same direction if you try to stop them they explode like (laughs) like guts all over the car
1: (laughs) i that's iconic i love it
2: it's amazing. And there's like, and it goes in places you could never predict. And it's amazing. And uh, yeah, I read it at the beginning of 2020. And I was like, okay, Chuck,
1: cool. Oh, geez. <laughs>
2: Thanks for this. Uh, and the sequel, Wayward, just came out. And it's, I think, I think it's just a duology. So I think it's a completed just the two books. Okay. Um, which is uh very cool. Another... One, an author that I love to recommend is Grady Hendrix. Love him dearly. Um, nice,
0: nice,
2: The first one I read of his was Horror Store. And so I like to start people out with this one because it's very unique. It is essentially like a haunted Ikea.
1: <laughs> I was about to say, because people yeah. listening, you can't see this because you're listening. But the cover is very Ikea. It is. Like-
2: and then, and then the back cover is the same IKEA photo, but very like dilapidated and like falling apart and and destroyed. Um, very that dark. is cool. And the inside of the book is set up like an IKEA manual, which is very fun. Um, that is fun. The store in this one is called Orsk. <laughs> And I think they actually, I think they actually name drop Ikea in this. I think they very specifically say, not Ikea, Um, (laughs) which I thought was funny. But essentially, this is... um, It's funny, but it's also way scarier than you expect it to be. Like, I definitely went into this book thinking it was going to be hysterical. And at times Mm -hmm. it was because it's like kind of absurd. And then at other times I was like, that is genuinely terrifying imagery. It is a group of Orsk employees um, who are told that they have to stay overnight at their store because there's been a bunch of, like, weird stuff going on overnight. And their boss is like, you guys need to figure out what's going on. Like, is there someone who's not leaving the store? Like, are they hiding and then causing mischief in the store after hours? Like, I don't know, but you guys have to figure it out. And, yeah, turns out Orsk is super haunted. (laughs) And there's, like, like, there's moments where there's somehow a whole like labyrinth within the store that like they're uh-huh. like this hallway didn't exist in the daytime like what's going on um there are torture devices and the ghosts are real mad and they're they're real dangerous and um it is awesome and it is perfect for like anyone who works retail <laughs> it's like real cathartic
1: i've done their- my time yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> you would love this um, i
1: i got to say This is one I want to read for sure, but I'm already pissed off at it because (laughs) from the synopsis, you're like, the manager goes and makes, uh, I'm thinking in my mind that no, that's a manager's job. That's what you're supposed to do. Oh, they have that conversation
2: too. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're like, they make him stay too. He stays too
1: the catharsis is already happening
2: (laughs) oh they're like why do we have to do this this isn't our job description and he's like I'll pay you extra and they're like well obviously you're gonna pay us
1: extra (laughs) and you're gonna stay I mean like Mm -hmm. oh yeah back when I was a retail manager I would have stayed
2: yeah he does stay he does stay Mm -hmm. and then when I
1: peace out I'm bringing everyone with me I'm like nope we're leaving Yeah. Ghost says get out. We're getting out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good luck finding the exit. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's real good. It's real scary. And I have read everything that Grady Hendrix has written so far. I have loved everything that he has written. His latest one, which just came out as we're recording this. It came out like last Tuesday. It's called How to Sell a Haunted House. It might be my favorite so far. I've already read it twice this year. Um, (laughs) And I don't reread books often. And I've read it twice. And it's it's about like cursed haunted puppets. And it's so scary. But it's also about like family trauma and grief and like siblings, like the – Not rivalry, but like they're like a sibling relationship and kind of their arc of, you know, they're estranged kind of. And they end up having to like work together because they need to sell their parents' house. Their parents have passed Mm -hmm. away. They need to sell their parents' house and their parents' house is haunted by these terrifying fucking puppets. (laughs) And one in particular (laughs) is named Pupkin and he is the most terrifying character I've ever read. I love him and hate him. In the same breath. He's so creepy. And um, and his
1: name is Pumpkin? Pumpkin. Pumpkin.
2: Yeah. He's okay. so scary. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> it is like, it is such a fun read. Both times that I've read it, I have done so in one sitting. Like oh. I literally was like, I cannot put this book down. It is so fast paced. The characters are incredible. So like Grady Hendrix just keeps getting better and better. That's it, awesome. I love him so much. Another one that another like style of book that I will recommend for kind of new horror people. I love a novella. These little these little short guys. I love <laughs> a novella. Tor.com and Tor Nightfire both so Tor.com is like kind of traditionally sci-fi fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um but they recently uh, branched out into Tor Nightfire which is their horror imprint and they they never miss for me. I everything that I've read from them I have absolutely loved. And I'm going to shout out two in particular. Um the first one is called Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kaw and like look at this cover.
1: Oh, that's creepy.
2: Yeah, it's like Japanese horror. It is a haunted house story. It's super quick. I think both of these books that I'm going to talk about are under 200 pages. Which is kind of like definition of a novella is like under 200 mm-hmm. pages. So super quick read. Uh, this one, Nothing But Black and Teeth, takes place at a haunted mansion. There's a group of folks who kind of were a very tight friend group, have since kind of grown apart. But um, the main couple invites them all to this haunted mansion because they want to get married there it's been their dream forever to get married at a haunted mansion um and when i say haunted mansion this place is haunted (laughs) 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 and and like in the very japanese style like the grudge the ring like yeah yeah Yeah, it is awesome. So spooky. It's it's an interesting one. I love this book. I know a lot of people who it was not their cup of tea. Very divisive, this one. I personally loved it. And I think people who like Asian horror would like this book. I found it very scary and very just deliciously spooky. I Mm got to
1: say, I respect you for... uh... For recommending divisive stuff.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like horror is very divisive because everyone kind of has their own thing that they want. Yeah. Right. In the same way that like not everyone likes horror movies, the same horror movies. Right. Like look at Marink*. Right. People mm-hmm. either love it or hate it.
1: I finally just saw it.
2: Yeah. And like. I have ADHD. So I simply could not. I simply could not. I fully understood why it's amazing and like why people love it. But I just kept zoning out and like couldn't. It was too many very, very long, quiet shots. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. But I. Get it like it's very cool aesthetically the the like lack of I could talk about skidmering forever because I understand that it's amazing and I yeah. get why the people who love it love it and I also get why the people who hate it hate it
1: <laughs> I am so, I don't love it or hate it I thought it was very fine yeah. uh, very okay mm-hmm. I, super valid I'm very in the middle I do have to say I wanted to leave the whole time And part of it was, I'd say 50% of the time I was bored out of my mind. So I was telling myself, I want to leave, but I'm not going to, I'm going to stick it out. And the other part of it was, I was scared shitless Mm. the other half of the time. So I was like, I'm uncomfy Mm
0: -hmm. and I want to
1: leave, but that's literally why I'm here is to feel this feeling. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. So So, you're,
1: you're right. And it's like, people either love it or hate it, or they love hate it.
2: (laughs) Or they love hate it. Absolutely. Um, I,
1: myself, am 50-50 on it. I have to, I'm sorry, I have to say real quick, because I just saw it the other day. So it's very fresh in my mind. I thought a lot of the jump scares in it were really cheap. I didn't care for that element of it. But there is one that is so good. It is so good, I fucking kicked the air. (laughs) It was pure instinct. I didn't think about it. I kicked the was air. It,
2: was it the speak and spell thing?
1: I didn't want to spoil it, but yeah, because
2: that, cause I, that, and I will say when it, when that one happens, because you see that thing a couple times.
1: Yeah, it. Yeah, that yeah, got that me. Thing, that thing got me. Even though I have some issues with it, I will always respect a film that activates my fight response.
2: Yes, <laughs> absolutely.
1: And that's absolutely. what that film did. So. I, 100%.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I respect it a lot. Um totally. I don't think it's one I'd care to see again. Right. But I will I will see that the director's work again. I will yeah, remember his sure. name and I will see I will support him as a filmmaker. So yeah. um I thought it was good. I did not know it was experimental going in. So
2: yep. <laughs> I probably should have
1: did a little more reading. <laughs> Reminded me of college. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It did, didn't it? Feel like a like a student film almost. It was like very. Well, I don't and, wanna, but in like, but as
1: someone who's the... made student films, I don't want to say that. <laughs> uh, I i more want to say it reminded me of the two week block of experimental film in uh, film one hundred and one, where <laughs> our film yes. studies one hundred and one. So. Um, I don't know how into experimental film you are. I am not. I can respect it. I can do my time, but I'd rather not like the fucking film that's like a fly or something. And then it's like the, you know, exactly what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: We did our time. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. To me, I was describing Skin and Marink to a friend of mine and I was like, it kind of feels like the movie that would be like in another horror movie, like The Ring. It feels like the movie they would have watched in The Ring.
1: No, that's and a perfect like, way to just describe it.
2: Right, and so it's like I get it. It's yeah. cool. It's well done. I th- I think it's well done. I think it made. I think he made a lot of really cool choices. Yeah. With the sound editing and the music and lack thereof and the the angles, like I think it's very cool and and very effective for people who don't have ADHD and can actually sit there and focus. Because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't. But I was like, as I was watching it, as I was zoning out, I was like, I can't wait. This is cool, though.
1: <laughs> I was dozing off a little bit in the beginning because I went to a ten o'clock show Friday oh. night, and I. I That's got up for work at 6 a.m., but it was the only time I could see it this weekend. Yeah, and like I wanted to see Puss in Boots too, but mm. I didn't. I didn't get the chance. <laughs> I didn't get the chance. I I chose a scary movie instead. Fair. And I'm just, <laughs> but there are par- there are parts where I'm like, I should have just saw Puss in Boots. I mm. wouldn't be falling asleep right. Now. But I'm yeah. glad I saw Skin and Marine. I yeah. thought it was good. I'm not yeah. sure I liked it, but I thought it was good. <laughs>
2: exactly exactly yeah and so and so like that's true of any horror medium and that includes books there's going to be ones that people are like yeah that really didn't resonate for me and there are ones that people are going to be like oh my god that was everything
1: (laughs) so what was the name of that last book again
2: so that one was nothing but blackened teeth by cassandra kaw very good
1: I just want to make sure I say it again because I'm like, okay, there's our first big tangent of yeah. the pod. I want to make sure that book gets its due credit.
0: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> and then I want to shout another novella. Um, This one's also Tor.com. It's called And Then I Woke Up by Malcolm Devlin. And okay. this book messed with my brain because this is one of those books where, so it's a zombie book, but also mm-hmm. like is it though (laughs) and so you're you're reading it and like the first half you're in this one perspective and then in the second half that perspective shifts and when it shifts it shifts the entire narrative and you're like wait what did any of that happen was any of that real who do i trust now and so and I and I can talk about this without getting too spoilery cuz there's still like some stuff but essentially you're following a zombie apocalypse from one person's perspective and they're describing what they saw when it happened their experiences their experiences um killing zombies and like watching their loved ones turn and then you get a perspective from someone who's like yeah, half the world went nuts and started killing people. And you're like, oh, maybe there wasn't a zombie apocalypse and maybe it was a mass hallucination. And so it's like either way, whichever one is the truth, half the population went berserk, right? And it is such a, like it stuck with me for so long after reading it Like, I just I just kept sitting there staring at the wall like, what is real? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it has, you know, a lot of kind of commentary on media and like media literacy and like believing what you see, believing what you read, believing what people tell you. And like there's there's a lot of interesting conversation happening there. Like you could definitely like I feel like a professor could teach a course on this book. Like, I feel like it's it's like for people who really like to delve into their reading and like really kind of get into it. I think this is perfect, but it's also good for like surface readers like me who are just like, that blew my mind and then put it away.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a super quick read. I can't wait to see what else this author does. I think this might be his debut. And oh, wow, I want so much more from him. It is completely messed with my brain. Like, I what a mind fuck that book is. That's so that's called And Then I Woke Up by Malcolm Devlin. Incredible. Just 10 out of 10. I loved it. (laughs) And then let's see. So I've got a couple here. One of my uh, early horror loves when I started really kind of getting into the genre was Rachel Harrison. She wrote The Return. I can't wait to someday see this book. Adapted. I want this movie so bad because it's one of the coolest like visual books I've ever read so it takes place in have you ever like come across those hotels where like they have themed rooms and so like every room is like super over the top themed like there will be like the I don't know the jungle room and it's got like jungle everything. It's like the jungle threw up in that room. and but then like the room next door is like the pirate ship room and it looks like a pirate ship exploded in that room. It takes place at a hotel like that. And so like visually, like the setting is so cool and like very like oversaturated, very like bright, colorful. But the story is super dark. So the combination is very cool. The juxtaposition there is really cool. um, it's about how this woman, went missing while hiking. Mm -hmm. And like, I want to say it's like either a year to the day or like three years to the day, but like on the anniversary, one of the anniversaries of her disappearance, she comes back and she has no memory of what happened. She remembers going hiking and then she remembers like waking up in the woods and stumbling home. And her friend group had all kind of like splintered off during the time that she was gone. And one of them had kind of always held out hope that she was still alive somewhere. Whereas like everyone else, like they literally had a funeral for her. Like they, right. they mourned her. They were like, she went missing hiking and we never found her. Like she's not alive. They had a funeral. They mourned her. Like they went through the grieving process and then she comes back and they're all like, oh,
0: okay.
2: hi, welcome back. Um, And so- it's a group of four women and they're like okay so we're going to go on this girls trip and we're going to rebond and mm-hmm. maybe figure out what happened to her while she was gone like maybe she remembers more than she's saying and she just doesn't like want to sound crazy or whatever right so they go to this crazy hotel and right off the bat things get weird and and it's things like the temperature in one of the rooms is, like, it's always ice cold. And you turn the thermostat up to, like, 90 degrees, and the next time you come back, it's ice cold again. There's, like, sounds coming from the, like, pipes in the walls that doesn't sound like water. (laughs) Um, There's, like, these weird things start happening, right? The hotel is empty, except for these four friends and, like, two or three staff members. And then their friend who went missing and came back starts to like decay like is eating basically a raw steak and just spits out a tooth and they're like um, what's happening and it just devolves from there it is such a fun read it's got some of the best like weird body horror and just again like the juxtaposition of like the terrifying things that are happening in this absolutely wild hotel (laughs) or just it's so visually cool and i desperately want to see this on screen like i think it could be a great movie i think it could be a great mini series like i love this it's a really really real look at um female friendships which is fascinating um i have had rachel harrison on the podcast uh three times so far oh that's um, awesome yeah. She's like, all right. We basically like book the next one, like a year out. We're like, so the same time next year. Like I'll see you then. Yeah. When she came on to talk about the return, she just kept blowing my mind. Cause she just kept being like, oh yeah. And then I was like thinking about like female friendships and this and that. And I was like, oh my God, you're so smart. This book is so much smarter than me, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it really is. It's just a romp. I've read it a couple of times. I think I've read it three times now. Um, awesome. And it is just like, it's, oh, it's like a visceral book. Like, it's just really good. Um, really good for someone who's like just starting out um, in horror and like wants to like get into kind of the gritty stuff, yeah. like wants to read some some body horror. And then she's got another one. She has, Rachel has a bunch of books. Um, she's got The Return. She's got one called Cackle, which is about like witches. Um, Before
1: we move on from The Return, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I just want to. I got two things. One's yeah. a prediction. You okay. can tell me if I'm wrong r- right away uh, so I could get it out of my brain. But my first prediction aliens? No. But I'm okay. That's got me intrigued. <laughs> That's got me intrigued. So, okay. This is what I have to pick up yesterday. Like, yeah, yeah. this sounds like right up my alley. But I have to ask, because you mentioned that this is something you would like to see a screen adaptation yeah. for. Do you have a particular filmmaker in mind you'd like to see tackle mm. this? Ooh, that's I mean, not including question. Steven Spielberg, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the easy answer.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um... I don't know cuz cuz it's got to walk the line right of like yeah. scary and absurd. It's not mm, I almost want to say Ari Aster but I think he might make it too scary, like too like mm-hmm. too serious. But like that should be like an element of fun. Like I th- like I think he's he could get like most of the vibe there. Because I feel like he did that with Midsummer, with these like bright, vibrant colors and like horrifying things are happening in this bright setting. So like he's got that part down. But I think I think someone like a little bit with with more of like a like a horror comedy almost like because it's again, it's like not quite it's not a comedy, but it also kind of has that vibe. So it's like not quite Tucker and Dale versus evil, but like
1: not quite hereditary
2: not quite hereditary <laughs> that's a great question though I'm so gonna, I'm gonna i have that.
1: i have not read this book obviously but my mind from what you're describing my mind is saying probably an easy answer right now but i'm still gonna say it jordan peele because he can i'm just from his three films and mm-hmm. especially the last one nope mm-hmm. i know he can pull off beautifully absurd images
2: yeah And his films are fun. They are. And he's got the comedy background. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. I could absolutely see that. Yeah, I think he could do some really cool stuff. All right, I'm going to, like, call him up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we got your next project, Jordan.
2: (laughs) What's wild about, like, my position, like, where I'm at, like, within the horror community is that, like, I became friends with an author, Clay McLeod Chapman. He wrote this book, Ghost Eaters, that uh, came out at the end of last year, which is phenomenal. It's like indie booksellers like latched onto this book and made it like a mm-hmm. bestseller. Like we love this book. He's written a bunch of other stuff, including he wrote he wrote uh, the, I believe it was a short story maybe that was adapted into Wendell and Wilde. Which was a Jordan Peele monkey paw production and he also wrote co-wrote a podcast um called quiet part loud uh, I listened to that put out by monkey paw yeah so I actually am like one degree separated from Jordan Peele so that's where I'm at
1: <laughs> that is amazing and yeah. after you get him on your pod If he's like, well, I'm I'm kind of busy. I am Jordan Peele, but I want to do a few more podcasts.
2: (laughs) I'll just be like, I got this friend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, put put me on the list.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that would be a great pick for the return. I could I could see him doing some cool, especially because again, like the return is one of those books that, like I say, it's like smarter than I am. Like there's again, there's depth to it. There's a lot of lenses you can read it through. So I think he could do some cool things with that.
1: I, like I love that, that because ha- how you describe the return is how I feel about nope. Mm, mm-hmm. So that's why my brain made That's that why you connection. went aliens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. no, I was just thinking aliens because I'm like, uh, went missing on a back. hiking, I came back and doesn't remember anything. That mm-hmm. sounds like an alien plot to me, like right. an abduction plot to me.
2: Absolutely.
1: But I'm. I was just thinking of absurdist visuals combined yeah. with actual scares and like totally. and you just said it beautifully um just you can look at this film in different lights and t- have different takeaways yeah. and i think nope is like that because it's about animal cruel- cruelty cruelty yeah. or not cruelty especially but like our relationship with nature but it's also about spectacle mm-hmm. our relationship with having to film everything Mm -hmm. it's about a brother it's about siblings family like a brother sister it's It's, yes
2: (laughs) so good it's so good (laughs)
1: so i i really wanna i really want to read i'm all of these but like (laughs) i think the return is the top of my list at the moment
2: It's so good. I, it is, again, like I have a deep connection to it because it was one of the first ones that I kind of latched onto when I started like being like, oh yeah, I'm going to read more horror now. And I read the return and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this is amazing.
1: You got another Rachel Harrison, right?
2: Yes. So jumping off of that, um, her most recent one is called Such Sharp Teeth and it's a lady werewolf book. It's amazing. It's so good.
1: I am so excited because I love ladies and I love werewolves. So it lady is, werewolf, I'm in
2: it is so good. It is so good. Um. and again, like, there's a bunch of other stuff in it. There's more complex things happening, a lot about a lot about guilt, a lot about, like, women kind of, uh, you know, being quieter, be like not being their like full self because they'll be labeled as like angry or crazy or whatever right um there's a lot of that in here there's like a whole connection to um pregnancy and childbirth and like that transformation from just woman to mother kind of simultaneously with uh woman to werewolf really cool there's like sister dynamics in here it's real good real real good
1: I always want more werewolf stuff. So that is someone I'm really yeah. excited for.
2: Yeah. Honestly, like you can't go wrong with Rachel Harrison. Like her books are just, they're so much fun to read. They're, there's always like so much going on in them. And, uh, but they're also very like quick reads. Like they're very like, I'm going to sit down and read this in like two days because it's like super fast paced and just, ugh. She's so good. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I'm going to shout out. Oh, if you are the type of horror person who likes creepy kids, baby teeth, baby teeth by Zoya stage. It's like now take this with a grain of salt because it's been a long time since I read this. I read this as an advanced reader copy a year before it came out and it came out in like, ooh, let's see. I can actually tell you. it came out in 2018 so i read this in like 2017 so it's been a while but what i remember of it is that there's a very creepy kid a la the omen and the mom is like i think i think my toddler is maybe possessed by the devil and um she like is terrified of her kid kind of hates her kid kind of regrets everything about being a mom and then you also get chapters from the kid's perspective
1: is he a little (laughs) fucker
2: He's a little fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it it is just so much fun to read because you're reading the mom's chapters and you're like, this kid is insane and terrifying and definitely possessed. And then you read the kids' characters and I think it's, yeah, Hannah. She's seven and she's like, I hate my mother. And she's like a little sociopath and she like knows exactly what she's doing. And so you're like, is she possessed or is she just a little sociopath? Like, I honestly am not sure. And like, it is awesome. And it like totally leaves you like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what I believe. Um, They're both kind of unreliable narrators. It's great. If you love a creepy kid, go with Baby Teeth by Zillia Stage. It's, it's a really fun read. That was the first one I read of hers and I was like, yes, girl.
1: <laughs> That's a great, uh, description of that because my brain, because uh, my brain's always thinking about movies, right? And yeah. you brought up the omen, which one of my faves um, mm-hmm. makes me super happy. So
0: good. So but good.
1: When, but when you bring up the sociopath element of it, my brain just went, Is this the omen meets American Psycho?
2: Kinda. Little bit.
1: Because you get a Little lot bit. of stuff from uh, Patrick Bateman's point of view, and he is a sociopath. And also, that's like an unreliable narrator. So I'm like, For
2: Sure. Yeah, Yeah.
1: the omen meets American Psycho. I I can get get into that.
2: Yeah, really fun. Since we're talking both books and movies, I would be remiss if I didn't shout out my boy Paul Tremblay. His book, The Cabin at the End of the World, is the book that the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, A Knock at the Cabin, I think it's called.
0: Yeah, that's
1: what this is.
2: That's what it's based on is this book, The Cabin at the End of the World.
1: Oh, that i didn't know it was based off of a book
2: and here's the fun thing no one does because m night Shyamalan has not put that anywhere in any of the marketing so i'm doing it for him
1: (laughs) (laughs) hey buddy you forgot something
2: (laughs) oops you forgot this oops you dropped this it's the book that your movie's based on no i love m night Shyamalan i i love to poke fun um (laughs) <laughs> but it is kind of like a thing in like the the book horror world where we're like, why, though, is there no mention of the Anyway, Paul Tremblay is awesome. He's got a ton of books. And this is probably, I don't know if this is his most popular one. He's got so many. The first one that I read, and I don't know if it was his first book. I don't think it was his first book, but it was the first one that I read Um, was called A Headful of Ghosts. And that book is, like, The Exorcist meets reality television. Ooh. Yeah. And it's, like, it follows this family, and it's being told through flashbacks. So it's being told, like, you've got these grown sisters remembering their childhood. And when they were little, one of the sisters was, like, maybe possessed. And the family... The parents, like, let this television crew come in and, like, film them all in, like, a documentary style to kind of, like, capture the possession, right, on on TV. And so you've got, like, the sister who was maybe possessed. And then you've got her other sister who's, like, doesn't believe it for a second and, like, thinks that her sister's doing it all for attention. And you're reading these two perspectives and you're like... When you're reading the sister who doesn't believe it, you're like, oh yeah, no, she's totally faking. And then you read the the person who was going through it and you're like, oh, maybe she was possessed. I don't know. And it's <laughs> like, it's this really cool dichotomy. And I just love The Exorcist meets reality television. I just think that's such a fun (laughs) concept. I just think it's really fun. But yeah, Paul Tremblay has written a bunch of books. He wrote one, Survivor Song, which is like a sort of zombie apocalypse pandemic book. But the main character is a woman who's like nine months pregnant. She's like about to pop and she gets bit. And she has like, they know that there's whatever, however many hours before she turns and so she's basically like i have to get this kid out of me before i turn to make sure that the kid survives and right. so it's like her and her friend who's a nurse or a doctor like i can't remember she might be a doctor on the run trying to survive these infected people trying to stave off her own infection trying to get to the hospital which is like basically impossible like you can't you can't get into the hospital the hospital's bursting at the seams like no one can get in and oh, like geez. what's gonna happen like Insane, right? Like so, yeah. so tense, so fast paced. And I read it while nine months pregnant with my second child.
1: <laughs> well, that was a nice escapist fantasy you I, needed. Literally,
2: <laughs> I literally I read it in 2020 while pregnant. And I was like, so Paul. He was like, that wasn't your smartest decision. And I was like, yeah, but I loved it. This <laughs> is a great book. <laughs> So I love him. He is actually um, local to New England. So we've done some events with him at the bookstore. Um, and he's like a math professor at a college in Massachusetts. Like this, like being an incredible New York Times bestselling author is like not his day job. And it's wild to me. <laughs> he's crazy and amazing.
1: Um, it's wild to me that people are good at math. But that's a whole different that, conversation.
2: <laughs> I have ha- also had that conversation with him where I'm like, so you you do math for like fun like, like I don't I don't understand that doesn't
1: compute <laughs> well I always I always like you're either creative or you can do math and physics and engineering shit you can't do both right. and this this guy's doing both <laughs> how dare doing he doing
2: both somehow and I don't understand it but he does them both really well so good for him I guess
1: <laughs> I mean I'm not hating good for him but I yeah I'm just I mean I'm happy I got the creative side but I'm so bad at math
2: Oh, yeah. My almost daily refrain is, um, yeah, no, I was an English major. I don't do math. I work this job for a reason.
1: (laughs) I'm the same way, but I say film studies.
2: Exactly. It's like, no, 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 I don't do math. No, thank you. (laughs) I got into this line of work, so I wouldn't have to do math.
1: Thank you very much. The only math I can do is like, the only time I'm good at math is if there's something up with my paycheck.
2: Mm. Other than that. Yeah. Yep.
1: Other than that, I can't
2: tapped out. Can't do it. Yeah. Do not have those brain cells. They went away a long time ago.
1: <laughs> it's like fifteen percent tip at a restaurant. Um, here's just fifteen dollars.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna round up a bit and, and yeah. make it make it end <laughs> in an even number and give you more money than I should, I think, maybe, because yes, <laughs> like Look- that's my brain. <laughs>
1: I'm just like, you're happy because you're getting a bigger tip. I'm happy because I'm doing easy math. It's a (laughs) win-win. It's a a win-win. I'm already spending the money.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I will pay extra to not have to do the
1: mental math. (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
2: It is a mental convenience, absolutely. (laughs) I'm going to shout out uh, Riley Sager. He is probably more thriller than horror but his books are very cinematic. He's really fun to read. Uh, this book that I have here is called *The House Across the Lake*. It uh, it is his most recent novel, and it's basically a love letter to the movie *Rear Window*. It's it's *Rear Window* on a lake, and that's how he describes it. Um,
0: <laughs> Perfect.
2: It is, it, and and like honestly, like that's all you need to know. It is. Literally just rear rear window on a lake. There are some twists and turns in there to keep it fresh, keep it fun. But you can tell reading this that like he had so much fun writing it. Like it's just, it's just a joy to read. Every twist that happens is just like, ooh, and then what? <laughs> like, it's just yeah. very fun. And again, I had him on the podcast for this. And I've had him on the podcast a couple of times. <clears throat> and when he was on for this one, I was like... I think this is my favorite of yours so far. And he was like, well, thank you. It was my favorite to write. And I'm glad that came across.
0: Aww. <laughs> that's amazing.
2: <laughs> um, he's really fun. But yeah, like all of his books, like he's got one called survive the night that is again, like a love letter to like horror movies and cinema uh, in, in like the eighties and like, He's just, you can just tell he loves the genre and um, and he loves horror movies and he loves horror in general. And so even, even though his books skew more thriller mystery, um, they still fit into the horror genre because they still have a little bit of that horror essence to them. Um, and I don't think, as of right now, I don't think any of his books have been adapted yet, but... They would translate so perfectly to the screen. It's only a matter of time. Like we're going to see those get adapted at some point. Because yeah,
1: I'll just have you call up Jordan Peele.
2: I'll just call Jordan, my yeah. my good pal Jordan.
1: Exactly. <laughs> what is he doing right now?
2: My close personal friend Jordan Peele. Yeah. <laughs> doing anything? Right? He's just chilling. <laughs> He's
1: no, whenever I have on. a d- whenever I have an idea, I'm just gonna be like, I'm going to call Ryan, who's going to call Jordan. <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly. It just makes sense. It's just the pipeline of awesome. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Speaking of books that are kind of like love letters to film, My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones is a love letter to slashers. Like in its very essence, it is a love letter to slashers. The main character, Jade, is she reads as autistic or on the spectrum, Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's confirmed that but that's how she reads kind of when you're reading her you're like yeah this is like her hyperfixation is slashers um she is completely obsessed she's like a little encyclopedia of slashers and she is convinced that she is living in a slasher and she's not sure who the the villain is but she has figured out That like this girl, this new girl who just moved to town is the final girl and she has to train her in the ways of final girl so that she will win. That's the basic premise of this book. And it is wild. And like you're reading it and you're like, okay, but like, is there actually someone murdering people? Like what's going on? Like how much of this is in her head? How much of this is like actually happening? How much of this is coincidence? Um, and throughout the whole thing, you're he, he's just name dropping all of these slasher movies, these like <laughs> '80s slasher, like there's so and like so many obscure ones that you're like, yes, no one else knows about this movie, like yes, it's awesome. And um, I love Stephen Graham Jones. He is a Native American author, and he's written a bunch of stuff. He's got a sequel to this one coming out. Soon, I think maybe this month, maybe next month. This month, soon. He's it's early this year, <laughs> early 2023. He's got uh, the sequel coming out, and but he's also got a book called The Only Good Indians. Um, he's got a book that as of right now is an audiobook exclusive. It's called The Babysitter Lives. It is super short. It's a little novella length. Um, it's like only a couple hours long. And it is awesome. It's almost like set up in the style of, oh gosh, it's like honestly so hard to compare it to anything because it's one of those things you listen to it and you're like, this reminds me of something, but I can't quite put my finger on it. But basically, it's like a babysitter um, the night before Halloween is babysitting these two kids. The kids are like kind of weird. And there are moments in the house that, feel very much like those early scenes in poltergeist when they're like if you sit here on the kitchen floor you'll go zooming across to this other spot like there's like a pantry that if you like go into the pantry you'll appear like inside a beanbag upstairs and have to crawl and you're like what (laughs) wait what (laughs) (laughs) and the kids are like yeah and and they just like will reference like, uh, it's something, it's not quite like the other mother, like from Coraline, but it's like something like that. Like they'll reference like her and you're like, who is her? Who is that? What are Whoa. you talking about? And there's like the liminal space between like the pantry and wherever she spits you out. You If you get stuck in the liminal space, like you have to go back the way you came. And if you don't,
1: good luck. So my brain is... This sounds like to me if you took Halloween, Poltergeist, and Insidious, which mm-hmm. is basically uh poltergeist 2.0
2: <laughs> Yeah
1: and uh put into a blender. No no shade to Insidious, by the way. I love that no, no, movie. No, no, yeah, for sure. I love that movie. Insidious but...
2: is awesome. But yeah.
1: It it's also if poltergeist is like poltergeist and insidious is that next step.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like <laughs> it is very much like it feels like it pulls from like a bunch of different sources and it's like very unsettling, very creepy. And especially it being audiobook only is like
0: mm,
2: yeah. weirdly unsettling, too, because like you can only listen to it. It's great. And this is the part where I plug Libra FM because they are an audiobook alternative to Audible. Audible is owned by Amazon, which is the enemy to indie bookstores everywhere. Libra FM has the same audiobooks but they support indie bookstores so support libra fm <laughs> we
1: love them that is that is good to know thank you
2: yeah yeah no they're amazing um they're a f- sort of new so i they, they definitely started the company pre-pandemic but not like a long pre-pandemic like it was like maybe 20 I think I started like really knowing about them. They are a small company. I know every single member of the team. Like I've met the whole team basically. Um, Oh, wow. (laughs) They're amazing. And they are huge, huge supporters of... Indie bookstores, booksellers, they'll actually, if you have a bookseller-specific account, you actually get every month advanced listening copies in the way that, like, we usually get, like, advanced reading copies of books before they're published so that we can, like, review them and and hype them up, like, basically starting on pub day. Um, yeah. They'll send us advanced listening copies so that we can listen to things ahead of time. And, I mean, I calculated it out a few times and they're sending us like a thousand dollars worth of audiobooks every single month for free they're incredible and you can choose any indie bookstore to support and you can swap out Every month, if you want, like you can, like be like, I'm going to support Gibson's this month, and I'm going to support I don't know Savoy Books next month, and then I'm going to support Porter Square Book, like whatever you want, you can like change it up. And that's they amazing. have hundreds of thousands of audiobooks available, so they have like everything um, you could ever want. So um, yeah,
1: <laughs> that <laughs> is <love> them. amazing. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so that's my Libra FM plug. I I always feel the need to hype them up. I love them so much. They're great. um, And they are, they're really the only competitor in the game. Like it's like Audible and Libra FM and Audible is sending Jeff Bezos to the moon. So Libra FM is really the obvious choice here.
1: <laughs> no, I, I love that because I didn't know there was a competitor to yeah. Audible. So right. that's really, that's really yeah. good to know.
2: Yeah, and they have like if you go to their website, like they always have a thing where like if you're switching from Audible to Libra FM, they will give you a special code and they'll give you like a free extra credit or whatever just to be like thanks. <laughs> so
1: I like it.
2: Mm-hmm. And they're they are DRM free, which means you actually own the audiobooks that you purchase from them. Whereas, um, Audible, you don't own them; they could take them away from you at any moment. Mm -hmm. whereas uh libra fm they're yours forever no matter what happens to the company they are your audiobooks forever so pretty cool we like them
1: Well, I got to I got to sign up for that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a link when we're done.
1: <laughs> yes, do it.
2: And then um I have one more here that I want to shout out. If you are the type of person who likes things like Haunting of Hill House, um if you like sort of a classic horror, a more like highbrow literary horror, you cannot go wrong with Silvia Moreno Garcia. In particular, Mexican Gothic.
1: Oh, I'm Mexican.
2: This book, my dude, this book is so good. <laughs> it's like there's family drama. There's like maybe a family curse. There's something weird going on at this mansion. It takes place in the 50s in Mexico. And I I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it is uh, – to use a my new favorite term, sporer. Spore horror. Mushroom horror. Um, <laughs>
1: oh! Oh! I like yep. that.
2: Yeah. It is real good. Real, really good imagery. Like, it's a very, like, good visual book. And this author, she's written a bunch of books. She had one... Come out recently that was called, like, the daughter of Dr. Moreau. So, like, Mm -hmm. this person being raised by Dr. Moreau, who, right in that story, is doing these human animal hybrids. And so, here's like a person in his household kind of watching this all unfold and like what that's like. Her stories are really cool and unique, like that. And yeah, and beautiful. Just like some of the most gorgeous writing. Like, truly, like, it might. For me as a person who like doesn't really do a lot of the classic, classic literature in general, regardless of genre, it definitely like took me, I had to acclimate to the writing style because it is very classic style. But once you get into the flow of it, it just goes and it is awesome. So yeah, Mexican Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, you cannot go wrong. She is incredible. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, the, I mean, that's my giant set. I have other, you know, recent favorites. I've got um, Ghost Eaters by Clay McCloud Chapman, which also falls into the Sporer category. Um, it is. <laughs> that's a um, thing,
1: isn't it? It like, is. Like, that's a thing now.
2: It is. I made a Sporer display because The Last of Us uh, just started as we're recording this, just started last week. And I'm a fan. That's it's the reason so why I have such
1: a hard cutoff for this recording. Yeah, because we gotta that's watch my plants.
2: Yeah. yeah we got same um <laughs> and 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 that is famously sporer and so i made a display yeah. at the bookstore of all of these books and you've got you know annihilation by jeff vandermeer and mexican gothic and ghost eaters by clay College chapman and my my tweet about that went viral and i was like oh okay people like the sporer <laughs> but um thank ghost you eaters the last of us awesome. yeah literally <laughs> thank you the last of us for gifting us this subgenre we didn't know we needed I'm glad you bring up
1: Annihilation though because mm-hmm. that's a film I very much enjoyed mm-hmm. I did know it was a book I haven't read the book yet but I have read the screenplay mm. I, I don't think that counts but <laughs> it, I read I, yeah. I didn't read the book but I read the screenplay yeah where were the mushrooms from it's been a little bit since I've seen the movie. Our,
2: Oh, it's been a while.
1: Because that's a very cosmic horror in my mind. I mean, that's a movie that you can splice any number of ways. (laughs) There's so much. It's dense. There's so much. I always, I remember vividly the bear scene.
2: Yes. Yup.
1: My first thought is to put Annihilation in your bear horror section.
2: That I could also do a bear horror (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because <laughs> Cocaine like... Bear is coming out this cocaine
2: month. Cocaine Bear. I <laughs> can't wait for Cocaine Bear.
1: <laughs> I, I was telling someone, my favorite movie of the, I already know, my favorite movie of the year is either going to be Indiana Jones 5 or Cocaine Bear. Nothing else has a chance.
2: Hands down. <laughs> <laughs> I just love when they lean into it. They're like, yeah. we have this crazy thing. We're going to lean into it and make it absolutely absurd. Awesome. I'm, d- I'm down. How has this, this not
1: already been a movie? It's the Literally, perfect exactly. movie.
2: It's perfect.
1: It's, it's not even here yet, its and finest. it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It, if it doesn't win any Academy Awards,
2: <laughs> we will riot.
1: <laughs> I I will go to the Academy myself, and I will Will Smith all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness! But um,
2: amazing.
1: Ah, uh, you know a podcast episode's good when <laughs> when it goes off the rails at the very last the second.
2: <laughs> it's the best. It's the best.
1: I'm proud of us. Not that many tangents. No, I, I we did, did great. Good.
2: And and the tangents were related.
1: Yeah. Like didn't,
2: we, didn't, we didn't go fully down any rabbit holes. We definitely like...
1: Because we needed to talk about Skinnamarink. We did. That's a movie where I'm like, I'm a hesitant recommender of it. Because that's one where it's like, look, go in knowing you might not like it.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And honestly, like, you'll kind of know in the first, like, 20 minutes if it's for you or not. Like, yeah. like give it a solid chunk. Just, you know, just to be sure. But you'll know. You'll know pretty early on if it's if it's your thing. And if it's not, that's okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No big that's deal. Fine.
2: If we all liked the same things, the world would be a boring place.
1: Exactly. But if you don't like the same things I do, then we can't be. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
2: okay. I will end friendships over certain things. But
1: <laughs> Star Wars: The Last Jedi all over again.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: But yeah, that was. I love that. I got so many things that I have to add to my list that I'm that I need to start. Actually, yeah. have to read a lot of these stuff. I think my first one is going to be the book I already own, The Final Girl Support. Group. Yes,
2: yes, the Grady Hendrix. It's a good, mm-hmm. it's a good choice.
1: But Love the him. Return is one that I really want to. I mean, I want to read all of these, but the ones that are like sticking out for me, yeah. uh, the gems amongst gems, I like to say, is The Return. My heart is a chainsaw, mm-hmm. and. The horror store, the other Grady Hendrix. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely,
2: so. yeah. And I mean, again, we are just kind of scratching the surface. I know there's going to be listeners who are like, I can't believe she didn't talk about insert their favorite horror book here. Listen, there's ten shelves of horror behind me. I
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> I got more I books. <laughs> there's more.
2: I have other recommendations. I will I will shamelessly plug my staff picks page where you can find all of these and more gibsonsbookstore.com slash ryan r-y-a-n you'll find all of my favorite horror books with reviews uh so you can scroll through and be like oh that was that one that she talked about oh here's her review for it yeah i like that one so
0: yeah
1: i just want everyone listening just to appreciate how good of a podcaster ryan is <laughs> She knew exactly the perfect spot to plug. I didn't have to do <laughs> nothing
2: It was just a natural <laughs> spot,
1: so natural, <laughs> holy mo that, that, i'm I'm just sitting here being like, "I am but a Padawan <laughs> in the presence of a podcast master." <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah 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 you know
0: <laughs>
1: you that do was it for five
2: years you figure out some transitions
1: <laughs> it was brilliant it was awesome
0: <laughs> thank you thank you
1: <laughs> so thank you for joining me today this was a lot of fun the i'm best. so excited to read a bunch of these
2: oh, and incredible. Uh,
1: yeah thank you so thank much
2: you so much thank you for having me this was a blast so much fun <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Ryan for joining me and recommending all of these amazing books. I had so much fun. A reminder that next month, March 1st, 2023, I'm launching the What Do You Die podcast Patreon. This little podcast has been blessed with amazing support this past year, and it's time for it to grow even further. I have some exciting plans for perks, but I'm not ready to announce them just yet. Soon though, soon. If you love this podcast, I really hope you consider joining once it's up and running. Also, thank you to everyone who wished me a happy pod last week or a uh, first anniversary of the podcast last week. One year of this podcast has brought me so much joy, and I can not I just can't wait to see what year two brings. Something super cool that happened last week is Tony Todd, one of my favorite actors, best known as Candyman and the topic of last week's Final Destination 5 episode with Cass Clark, retweeted my podcast. Like, Tony Todd himself. I'm pinching myself because holy crap, that's awesome, guys. On this segment of I Know What You Watched last week, in which I tell you about the horror films I've watched since the last episode... Episode 4 of The Last of Us came out, and for me the show is 4 out of 4. It captures the heart and essence of the game, while also adapting it to the television medium in a way that's fresh, engaging, and expansive to the world built by the games. I'm loving this man, Pedro Pascal forever. I only watched one movie this past week, and it was actually last night. And I don't mean one horror movie, I mean I just watched one movie. i I was kind of busy anyways i watched knock at the cabin and it is m night Shyamalan at his finest featuring a brilliant performance from dave bautista knock at the cabin was adapted from a book we actually talked about in this episode and i didn't know that until ryan told me but i i thought it was really good i need to read this book now because i really really enjoyed the movie knock at the cabin is full of stellar craft and heartfelt empathy Though, I have to say, if you're already not a fan of M. Night, this movie is extremely M. Night Shyamalan, so it might not be for you, but if you do love M. Night Shyamalan, I think you're going to love it, just like me. This film is definitely right up my alley, and if you're a fan of Signs, I think it will be up your alley too. If you're interested in this part of the podcast, follow me at Letterboxed at Taurus AU so you can see all the movies I log and see my little reviews. If you're enjoying the Woody Die Podcast, please like, share, comment, and subscribe. All that stuff helps me with the algorithm lords and continue to grow this little podcast. Any little help helps so much. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Woody Die Show. You can also follow me on TikTok at Woody Die Podcast. But Fair warning—it's become mostly shit posts of gizmo dancing to random music. I find. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling trailer reviews and much, much more. Also, check out the Three Wise Men Media T Public, where you can find comic books, merch, and even merch for Would You Die. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. Next week's episode is covering a film that is perfect for Valentine's Day. Whether you're ready or not. Until next time, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.